welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. You know, sometimes I'm amazed at how God gets messages to us. Now it's like 500 degrees in here, isn't it? Just kidding. I mean, I don't know where it's at. What is the temperature now? Oh, just a little fan? Or I could just take off some clothes. That's another thing I could do. You could take off my jacket. Are you hot? Okay, there's more people. Are you hot? See, everybody's hot now. Don't look at the people that are never hot because they're going to always say no. Maybe some air, just some actual air conditioning. It's that in-between stage where if you go outside, it's going to be 30. But in here, it's like 73. So our bodies don't know what to do. Right? You know, sometimes, let me just start over a bit. Sometimes I'm amazed at how practical God is and how I love how He He always gives us um, tools for advancement kind of when you're not looking. And, and sometimes they come through a strange source, you know, we're not anticipating. And so, you know, Chrissy and I, we don't do a lot of like extracurricular searching for stuff, you know, and so God has to kind of lead us to different things. And so it's kind of fun sometimes as he kind of does that and we're just not really looking for it. And I think she could say that that kind of happened to her. Um, And she was, you know, Elijah List um, has been a, I guess, a email source of prophetic words for a very long time. And I think recently they started doing a little video thing called Elijah's Dreams. And so one of the, Christy caught one of the dudes that was on there. And, you know, it was interesting because he's kind of a old rocker kind of guy, I guess, you know, he's like, he, I think he plays, he not only leads the church, but I think he plays the, you know, so he's kind of, so we don't know, I don't know anything personally about him, but when she started telling me um, this principle that he was talking about, I was like, wow, I, I so think um, that that, that that is just such a huge, that would be such a huge help to us. You know, one of the things that that we're all kind of navigating, I think, is how our spiritual gifts work and how, you know, what's God and, you know, what's Lou and, you know, are, are these emotions, do we kill them or save them or, you know, and don't you love to just get a little nugget? You know, I don't know how long we're going to talk about this tonight, but I'm going to share a little bit more probably about the eyes of the covenant if if I have time. But before I do that, I just, I really wanted her to come and talk about this a little bit. Um, trying to decide if I'm going to stand up here with you or not. But uh, come on up here and we'll see how it goes, I guess. Um, I think I'll sit down. Okay. Okay. That's the only thing. Okay. All right. Oh, it's been an awesome night so far, hasn't it? Well, I um, thank you for the introduction, for laying the groundwork, Tisa. 
um, you know, the way that um, I have learned how to just take new information in, like she said, we don't really go searching out for um, a lot of training in certain areas, but I've learned that the Holy Spirit will actually lead me into finding these little nuggets or little portions of, of new revelation that will really help me. Um, it will make sense, maybe not in the moment, but even later, why he was showing me that thing right there. And I will say that it's really, really important to learn how to do that because there's a lot of really good information out there and there's a lot of really godly information even out there, but it's maybe not necessarily for what you need in that moment. And so it's remember, it's the Holy Spirit that is um, leading us into the renewing of our minds. And it's not out of our own striving or our own ability to search Google or, you know, read every single book and all of that. So it's really it, the process. I can I can testify that the process is much more fun and enjoyable when you let him lead you. And so, you know, that scripture that about. How, um, the guys that were walking with Jesus and they said, well, did our heart not burn within us? And that's when I've, I've learned to really value that feeling when I hear something, even though in my, with my natural eyes, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know, this might look a little odd or, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, but something that said just lights a fire in me. And I've learned to recognize what kind of resonates with my, in my spirit and so, like she said, I came across this guy, and he's um, has some really incredible insight into Scripture. And you could tell um, from what I can see and what I feel in my spirit that this is a man who's passionate for God, and he has run after God with his whole heart and his whole life and his whole family and everything. And so it's really cool, and I can tell just principally that he is really grounded in, in the Word and in the... Um, He's of a similar heart um, and spirit as us. And so um, he has some incredible insight into scripture that I've never heard before. And there's just these few things that I've, I've heard from him that, like I said, light me up on the in, inside. And I can tell that, boy, if I, could, if I could get that and apply it in my life, then I would be leaps and bounds ahead of where I'm at right now. Like I'd be able to you know, like the Holy Spirit will kind of set us up and be ready to run. You can kind of see where you're ready to run to, but you don't know how to run there yet. And it's like, oh, if I could get this, I could really run. I could run this part of the race with this new um, revelation. And so it's been really exciting. And um, he's actually been talking about spiritual warfare um, on this show that I've been watching and giving us this incredible insight into I don't know, just kind of the uh, understanding how things work in the spirit realm, including how man was made and how the things, how the enemy works in the spirit realm. And so he was just sort of laying this foundation for how spiritual attacks happen, how the enemy will attack us. And this is an area that I've been really excited about because I'm, I'm learning more and more about my spiritual gifts and I'm kind of a, a feeler is one of the ways that I sense things. But you know, when you sense things or however you sense them, then you have to know what to do with them. And otherwise it can be frustrating. <laughs> you know. So I've, I've been in different battles at times where I'm like, I come out of it and I'm like, you know, oh Lord, I've got to figure out a way how to do this part better because I don't know, I don't feel real strong in that area. So 
Sometimes though, and when you start looking for that information, it's that thing where you get overwhelmed with all the information that's out there and it seems really complicated and it can almost, it can, has tried to like draw me out of my lane, which then is, that can't be God's intention. So um, that's, like I said, it goes back to that thing when the Holy Spirit has led me to this and I feel like it's the right size nugget for me right now. And I think it's the right size nugget for us as a tribe right now to learn how to do this. So, so I'm going to go ahead and, and tell you what he described was this process for spiritual attacks, just this basic way that the enemy attacks us. And he said, all spiritual attacks from the enemy will happen through this way. Okay. Through these four steps. And he, interestingly, and he, everything's grounded in scripture and you can tell like I said, he's done a really deep study on it. And I've, I believe he's had some personal revelation on it too. But in Ephesians 6 um, is this the uh, verse, let me pull it up here. Oh, I'm on the wrong one, sorry. Okay, so Ephesians 6 is talking about, this is where it talks about putting on the armor of God. And if I can find my verse. Okay, so it says in verse 10, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God for his his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and the deceits of the devil. So what he's sharing, what I'm going to share with you now are these, some of these strategies, which gives us better insight and then how to war in response for our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly or supernatural places. So in different translations, we'll reword that in different ways. And we'll say like all the powers of darkness and all of that. And I've honestly, when I've read that before, I've just clumped all of that together. Like, yep, that's all that we're working against. Like that's all the enemy. Right. But, um, this uh, this guy was actually pointing out that, sorry, I'm using Tisa's laptop, which does not work like mine, apparently. The navigation does it. So in Ephesians 6 there, he's talking about, in other versions, I think in the New King James, it talks about the, the, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So he pointed out that there are actually four things that are mentioned there. there are, it's not just the devil, but it's four things. There's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now he's saying that these were four ranks of spirits, like they have a different ranking and they operate in a different way in the process of a spiritual attack. So then you go over here to Revelation 20 and it's talking about when in Revelation 20 he's talking about when Jesus went down and he overpowered and laid hold of the dragon, okay? He overpowered and laid hold of the dragon that old serpent who is the devil and Satan 
and bound him for a thousand years. Other verses I've looked up and they actually, I'm looking again at these, this terminology that's used, is very similar in, in uh, the Passion Translation. It says, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent known as the devil and Satan. He seized the dragon, that ancient, ancient serpent known as the devil and Satan. And so, and I, I, I looked at these and there are actually four separate words in the original uh, Greek that were used in there. So again, it's not just he bound up the devil. Yeah. He, there are four different terminologies using, used there. So he's tying together, this, this guy was sharing his revelation, he's tying together, there's these four ranks of spirits and now these four aspects or personalities of the en enemy that are referred to as the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, and Satan. And he was basically saying these different aspects of the enemy or personalities of the enemy operate with these different ranks of spirits to inflict a spiritual attack on us. And understanding how they do that will help us understand how to fight back, right? And how to get our grounding back. Okay, so I, he shared a story here that paints a picture that I want to share with you. He talks about growing up in the woods, up in the in the south somewhere, in the backwoods, and there were not there was not a lot to do for one thing, but there were a lot of snakes around there, and so snakes killing snakes, capturing snakes and killing them was a matter of survival for their whole family out there, but it was also a matter of sport for all of the guys because they didn't have a lot else to do. So he tells this story about how his he watched his older cousins. When he was about 10 years old, he'd seen these older boys in his family kill tons of snakes. They were not scared of snakes. They'd killed, he said, they killed all kinds of snakes and captured snakes that people said didn't even exist. So it sounded like they had lots of experience facing off with a snake. But on this particular day, they got out, all piled out of the car because the, these older cousins had sort of been tracking this particular large rattlesnake. And so his older cousin, Frank, was like standing on the edge of this brush, basically, and they were trying to figure out where the snake went. And so they're, they're looking in, into the brush for the snake. And all of a sudden, he said he saw his cousin freeze. And he, he, went, he was just frozen like this, and he started to sweat. And he, he started to say to his brother, get me, get me, get me, hurry up, get me, get me. But he wouldn't move. And so his, his brother finally leans over and grabs him and just yanks him to the side. And then they were like, what in the world happened? And he said, I locked eyes with that snake. I locked eyes with that big, not, big snake and I could not move. He said, and it started, it locked eyes with me and it just started slithering up the hill towards me. And so he was telling his brother, pull me out of the way because I don't have the power to pull me out, pull, just break my gaze. Now, there is, I, I tried to look this up, and people say that it's a myth that snakes can actually do that, but there must be something going on because that is a myth that's gone on for generations and thousands and thousands of years, that snakes have the ability to kind of charm its prey, to, to catch your gaze and hold you paralyzed. And um, there's lots of explanations for why that may be, but if you remember the, the cartoon, The Jungle Book, the, the cartoon movie, they show it happening there with Mowgli and his eyes starts turning like all colors and all that. And so there's something that's gone on in 
in our world with snakes where this this principle has been in, in play. And this is actually a very good picture of how he describes the enemy begins his spiritual attack on us. He says the first aspect or personality of the enemy, the dragon, he says the word dragon in the Greek actually means one who charms you or pulls your gaze off. He uses the rank of spirits called principalities at that stage. And his first line of attack, his first uh, mode of, of, uh, or strategy for attacking you is to pull your gaze off, to get you to lock eyes with it instead of with the word of God. And he says, it doesn't matter how far off. He doesn't have to get you 20 degrees off, 50 degrees off, two degrees, one degree off is, is enough just to get your gaze off of the word of God. Interestingly, he says that it takes 1,000 of those principalities to overpower you, your, your spirit, man's spirit, to even pull your gaze off of the word of God. That's how strong we are. It takes 1,000 of those principalities to just do that, to just pull your gaze off. But once he gets your gaze off, he is, the door is then open for the next level of attack, which is what was referred to as the old serpent, who partners with the rank of spirits or uses the rank of spirits called the powers. And the serpent is known as one who artfully and maliciously dreams up ways to hurt you or cause you pain. So it's sort of a, a creative, will just come up with any old scheme to cause you some kind of pain. And he said, most often it's emotional pain. So you're, you're just, you're distracted. Like your focus is off the word of God and now you've got emotional pain. And this guy was saying that, that usually the easiest way for the enemy to do that is to use people that you're in relationship with to cause you emotional pain. So it may be family members or people you work with every day or go to church with, but he'll use somebody that you're in relationship with to, to stir up some sort of emotional pain. So the second level of a spiritual attack is you're experiencing some level of pain. And he didn't say it couldn't be physical pain, but he said it's often emotional pain. So you're distracted, your gaze is off of the word of God, and now you have emotional pain. But again, it took another 1000 of those powers, that rank of spirits to accomplish that in you. So that, though, then opens the door for the third level, which is the devil. The devil, this aspect of the enemy called the devil, which is it refers to as, um, or it uses that rank of spirits called the rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, we've talked about it lately, and we know what darkness is. Darkness is an absence of light, so it's, it's an absence of truth. And so the strategy for this level is to obscure things with darkness. In other words, he introduces lies to you. He, he introduces lies to your situation, your, to the whole equation, so that your, your gaze is off the word of God, you're experiencing real emotional pain, you're experiencing pain of some sort, and now you're hearing lies 
And I'm sure everybody can relate to this, right? I mean, this sounds like when I was hearing this sounded so familiar to me. <laughs> so familiar. Didn't have to convince me of this part. I didn't know all the names of all this, but I knew this part real well. <laughs> so again, that was another thousand, though, of the rulers of the darkness of this world that it took to start introducing these lies to you. And then that then opens the door, though, for the final blow, the final attack, which is Satan, who uses the spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's where it's actually on a, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain the different levels of the supernatural, but this where the fallen angel actually comes to finish you off, and he's the accuser. So you're distracted off the word of God, you're experiencing emotional pain or some kind of a pain, and now you've been entertaining lies, and then after you've been beat up like that, then he starts accusing you. So he, he may have been lying to you about, it's like, well, they're never going to love you, and they don't really accept you, and they're going to do that same thing people did to you in the past. But after you've been entertaining those lies for a little while, then he starts accusing you personally. He starts attacking your character, what you think about you. And so he starts saying, well, you know you're disqualified because you had that thought the other day, or you know you're a sinner because of so-and-so, or you know you're, you're not very smart, or you're not creative, or you're not good enough to do that. So all the accusations come in at that point. At that point, you then have 4,000 4, spirits have Take, it has taken 4,000 spirits to get you to that point. 4,000. And he ties this together when he on this teaching with, remember the story in the Bible where Jesus encounters the man who's been possessed and he had um, the legion of spirits that they, he had the, the terminology there. If you studied that out, it says that he would have had about 6,000 spirits in him, the way it was documented and the terminology was used. But if you think of having 4,000, all it took was four, it took 4,000 to do just what we just described here. So 6,000 isn't really that much more, but he explains that as having uh, the 4,000 is easy to see. But then remember the, the scripture that talks about if you cast um, the demon out, you cast them out, but the spirit goes out and it roams around and it can't find anywhere to go. So he says, well, I'll just go back to where I came from. And he comes back and he finds the place empty because it hasn't been replaced with the truth yet. And so when he comes back though, he brings more friends. So they multiply at that point. So he says there's who knows how many times that had happened to that man in that story in scripture. And that's why, um, he, had up to 6,000. But if you notice in that story, this man, it sounds like the worst case scenario, right? Like it's, he's tormented, he's running around naked and they've chained him up and put him in caves and different things. And he's, this is a high level of torment, I'm thinking. But it was 6,000 of them, even though, even then, all of those spirits knew to fall and worship Jesus when he saw him. They, they, he automatically knew it. So 4,000 and you've got Jesus in you. So even the, the 6,000 knew to bow to Jesus. 4,000 is even less than that. And that's really, this is the level of attack that we more experience, you know, on an everyday basis. But so, but they, even those 4,000, even though it sounds like a lot, um, is nothing compared to the spirit of man that's now joined with Christ. 
Like that's who you carry in you is, is the, the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so the, even those 4,000 spirits trying to attack you are nothing to just the name of Jesus. And so what he said was, happens a lot of times in, in spiritual warfare that we don't necessarily call it that, but when we're, we're in a battle, you know, we're out of our sweet spot and we're in a battle, is that we wrestle around with that stage four or stage three or stage two, right? We think we wrestle around with a lie. We entertain the lie. We entertain that we've been accused of, you know, we, we have to go and get help for that. And we maybe are in torment about whether or not we believe that or it's true. Then we wrestle around with what we think someone else has done to us to cause us pain. And how are we going to make that right? Or how are we going to fix that? I mean, we get caught up for who knows how long, some of I'm some people for lifetimes, honestly, in that stage two, three, and four, where we're dealing with just our emotional pain, we're dealing with the lies that the enemy told us and things that we ourselves have been accused of. And all the while, if we went back to the first step, the first step was just we got our gaze off of the word of God. So he said the most efficient and effective and smart way to do spiritual warfare is go back to the step one, get yourself back into the word of God, get your gaze fixed back on the word of God, because none of the rest can stay once that door is closed. So instead of struggling with all other stuff that we do, we can just go back to the word of God. And this isn't saying that you can't get help from anybody, but you know, we're trying to learn some principles here. So the word of God is Jesus, right? So again, think about it. 4,000 spirits will bow to Jesus. They will bow to the word of God. When you get your, when you start reading and proclaiming to yourself what the word says, the demons will bow to Jesus and begin to worship him. It doesn't matter what they lie they told you on step three or four. It's, they will stop and bow to Jesus. And so this needs to be our, our focus of spiritual warfare when we're in an attack is just understanding the schemes and the strategies of the enemy gives us insight into how we go and fire back and we regain our territory. And so he was giving some examples and talking about how a lot of times not only do we pray or maybe about some of those things that happen in two, three or four, but they're kind of more like begging prayers. Or, or if we're an accuser, you know, the accusations, then we start thinking, well, we need to repent and we need to, and we need to do this and we need to do that to make ourselves better so that that will break us out of the battle. And of course, we're not saying that there's never any work to be done on ourselves or anything, but the point is you're not going to gain any ground if you're just still wrestling around on steps two, three, and four. You get back to the word of God and everything will start to fall into place and you'll actually be in a in a state of mind and in a place where you can actually have your mind renewed if it needs to be renewed, you know, in that area. So we don't want to ask begging prayers. We don't want to just say, you know, please this, please that. He said that the word of God is, of course, Jesus, but it also represents our covenant with God. It's, and what have we been talking about lately? Right. 
covenant, this new covenant that we were entered into. And so this emphasis on even for our tribe has been, the Holy Spirit's been drawing our attention to the covenant. And now I come across this teaching on spiritual warfare that says your covenant is your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon. And there were, um, they shared a few different stories about how different people had been um, sick for a year. One guy had been sick for several years and had been praying and trying all of these things. He was a Christian, trying all these things for healing. And he, he eventually got mad at, at God. He was mad at God. And he said he couldn't eat because he was so sick and had been nauseated for like three years, he said. And he said, I, he said, I finally said, you said in your word that you would prepare a table before my enemies but what good would it do? Because I can't even eat. (laughs) But that was the turning point. He said an effective prayer that did effective spiritual warfare because he said what God said. He said what God said. You said you would prepare a table for me in front of my enemies. And so he woke up the next morning and he was hungry for the first time. And three, and he he was like dying. It was really really serious. So that's what this 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 teaching is highlighting to us: is we have to recognize the power of the covenant that we have with God, and we stand on that. That is our strongest and most powerful weapon. So we go back to that. If the enemy is accusing you of being unredeemed, then you go find a scripture that says, "I have been redeemed." You know, and you speak the word of God over that. And we will hopefully be pressing into this even more about how to play, play that part out practically. But, but I know for me, it's making me want to dive back into the word. And, you know, I used to have a list of scriptures like, well, when I feel fear, I'm going to go to this verse. And when I fear, feel this, I'm going to go to that verse. But I've kind of gotten away from that. And so it's reigniting that fire in me to want to know the word, which of course, is the truth, which is exactly why we were calling this an addendum to Lenny's message, because she covered so much good ground in that just the other day in the buckle up message about the power of truth, which of course we talked about a few weeks ago about the power of, of that seed of light coming in to uproot the darkness. And so the Holy Spirit is really trying to, to speak to us here and tell us how to be more efficient in our warfare the power of the covenant, that's what we have to stand on. That's what we have to stand on in warfare. And of course, when we are stepping out right now to pray for so many other people in the pray ahead initiative, then again, we've got our, we're activating ourselves, right? We're saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? What are you, what are you telling me today? Well, we need to know how to war then with what he tells us, what, what to do with what he tells us. And so this, again, we have the power to, to speak the word of God into other people's situations too. You don't even have to do it literally face to face with them, but we have the power to declare the word. God, you said, blah, 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 blah. And I know there was a family that we've been praying for lately who it's the perfect example. Um, a, A woman who's been praying for her family for several generations and is exhausted. She's exhausted. So this is the perfect opportunity for us to come alongside her and declare the word of God for her. Uh, what, what it says, what you will do for a praying, a praying mom, a praying grandma, for what you will do for your children when they ask. You know, we can go and declare those things. 
And I just thought I'd throw in that, that like I said, the Holy Spirit is leading me in this process as I come across these different teachings. And I realized that I had that a dream the other night, which you may have read it in the Evernote journal that we've started with the Pray Ahead initiative. But to me, it was a confirmation of this. And I didn't even put it all together at first. But my dream was that there was a man that ran out where there was a fire down the street and he told us to paint tar onto these big boards. And this was our attempt to help fight the fire. And then we would set the boards painted with tar in the street in front of all the houses that were at risk. And the thinking was that the tar on these big boards would draw the fire to it. So it would draw the fire away from the houses and into the street and burn up the tar instead. And then it was, I thought it was odd at the time, but the man wanted to marry me. You know, I didn't know how that went together at first, but I remember I was thinking in the dream, I was having this discussion with someone and they were telling me that, well, this process of painting on the tar on the boards was like a really cool project. Like, yeah, you should marry this guy. You know, if he wants to paint tar with you, you should marry him. And I was thinking, I don't know about that. It seems more like maybe we were painting our house. That might be a romantic project or something, you know, this be, you know, would make marriage make sense. But painting tar on boards, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound like a reason I should get married. But if you read the dream, I looked into it and searched it out the next morning. And tar is actually in the Bible. And um, it, they painted, um, God told Noah to paint the ark with inside and out with tar and so that, interestingly, though, the tar is actually mentioned several other places in the Bible, but every other instance that tar is mentioned, it uses a different word. It's a different original um, word, Hebrew word. The word used at that point in the story is a word that actually means ransom and atonement. And somehow it also means henna, which henna is a reference to Jesus from Song of Songs. And then, um, so essentially, God told Noah to seal up the ark because judgment was coming, right? The flood was coming. Judgment was, seal the ark with tar and you'll be protected. It was a representation of his of atonement for our sins, of what the price that Jesus paid so that we would, it, we would not suffer judgment. So we're painting tar on these boards in my dream to draw the fire away from the people's houses. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for us was that he drew the, the fiery judgment. He drew the judgment away from us to himself and, and to the fire. So he drew, took the fire for himself. Now, if that is not the most romantic gesture, you know, that I don't know what one is, right? I mean, that's a loving gesture, definitely worthy of marrying. <laughs> Which, of course, it was the invitation. That's what he's invited us to. So he's invited us to paint the tar on these boards. To it's painting the covenant. You understand that the what Jesus did on the cross, that tar, that paying that price, drawing the fire away from him, from us to himself to pay that price was the, our entrance into this covenant. It was the it was the new covenant. So it was the entrance into covenant. And so he was basically saying, fight the fire with the covenant. Fight the battle with the covenant. 
paint the covenant all over, paint it up and down your street, paint it on other people's properties, paint it on yourself, paint it, paint this tar all over the place. And it was an invitation. This is an invitation to participate with him in that process now for other people. And so all of that, it comes back to is, is a confirmation again for this practice for spiritual warfare is we go back to the word. It doesn't matter if we've gotten caught up in step two or three or four. Just when you realize it, go back to the word. Go find the truth in the Bible that you need. Go find it, read it, state it, put it on play, on repeat, on your phone, whatever you have to do. Just keep declaring it and say, this is the truth. This is the greater reality. And this is the covenant that God made with me. And that is how we, we battle. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray over us. And then Tisa, I don't know if you're going to come back up or she's sitting over there all nice and relaxed. But so I'm going to pray over us. So Jesus, we say thank you today. I just thank you. Thank you for the price that you paid that that made all of this possible, that gave us the access, that actually gave us, made it possible for us to invite you to live inside of us so that when we walk around and the enemy even dares to mess with us, it already knows that it's fighting a losing battle because as soon as we speak your name or remind ourselves or others who we are, it, they have to bow to us. So we just thank you for the incredible price that you paid and the incredible power that you gave to us. You didn't just give us a little tiny set of metal keys. You gave us the power of the blood, the power of the covenant to war with, to declare on earth what you want done, to, to bring heaven to earth. It's all that you made possible to us by your covenant. So we thank you for teaching us, and we just ask that you would take this, this simple process of warfare and impress it upon our hearts and our minds and help us to recognize when we're in those moments where the enemy is trying his strategies. We, you've enlightened us now. You've given us revelation about how the enemy works, and that makes us a 100 times more powerful and more effective in waging war and actually putting on the armor of God. So we just say thank you for the covenant. We say thank you for your word. Thank you that you went to the trouble to write down your word so that we couldn't miss it. So we would have it literally written down in front of our faces that we could go back to. So no matter how confused we've gotten, no matter how far off we've gotten from what your truth is, we can go back and read the word. And I just say thank you for the privilege of living in this nation where your word is available in more forms than we can even imagine. It is so easily accessible. It's free to almost every single person. I can't imagine a scenario where it's not free. We have it in multiple languages. And so we have no reason, no excuse to not just fill ourselves and feast on your word. So I just say right now that we elevate the value of your word in our lives and we will not take it for granted. We will not say it's just a decoration on our nightstand or an app we happen to have on our phone, but we will say it is the living word, the living word, the living evidence of the covenant that we have with you right now. The very spirit that fills us right now is the spirit of truth, which is your word. And so we say right now and we declare that we are in relationship with your word and it's a relationship that we will not take for 
for granted. We will not just put on the back burner. We will not just put it, set it to the side for when we need a little bit of comfort, but that we will walk in the truth of your word every day, every moment. And we mean this. We don't mean just a little bit. We mean this. We are going to learn how to walk in the word and keep our gaze on you. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you move throughout the room, impress this on people's hearts and their minds, give them dreams, show them how to do it, how to apply it in their personal lives, make it make sense to them, make it be the thing that they can't even, they can't forget about as they go through their day, that when they see other people struggling and they see other people's problems, that we would just, that they would know how to apply the word, that they would take the time and make it a priority to search your word for a solution for the truth that that person needs and that they would declare it into the atmosphere. Thank you for inviting us to be active participants in what you're doing on the earth today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation, Papa. We accept your invitation. We accept your invitation and we will make it our highest priority because there is no greater love than the love that you have given us, the love that you have shown us. And so the, the invitation to participate with you and the act of that love is is just something that we will value above all else. So we just say thank you, thank you, and I just speak a blessing over everyone hearing this message. And I just declare right now that we can do this. We can do this. You can do this. This can be a reality in your life, in your day, day to day with your family, at your job, in your church, wherever you're at. This can be your reality. You can do this. We are strong enough, and he made it entirely possible for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So good, right? I just, while I was sitting there listening, I was, um, the Holy Spirit was just reminding me that, um, I'll just say it like he said it to me, but that, that relationally in this room, the enemy has used this tactic to sow seeds of of disconnect is what I heard. And that there's some people in the room, let's just close our eyes for a minute, but there's some people in the room that have actually made some choices based on these lies that the enemy has made you travel on. And some of it's been even for years, and it's actually been against people in the room. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying that that He was bringing this to your attention today because this is a moment in time that you can repair. You know, it's interesting, one of the weird things that happens when we believe a lie and then we start making decisions and then we, even when we wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, I've been de- believing a lie for quite a while. It's really hard for some of us to go back and say, you know, back then when I did that, I was doing that because that was a lie I was believing. And now I've made these two months, two years, 10 years worth of decisions based in that lie. And so um, I feel like he pointed out to me who in the room has done that, but I think it would be really good for you to just admit that um, tonight, you know, just, just right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, you know, is that me? Is that word for me? Because I think he really wants you to have freedom. You know, the one thing that we have to remember is the enemy hates our freedom because 
all the power of the Holy Spirit flows through freedom. It doesn't throw, flow through any other way. So if, is that you? I just think it would be good for you just to raise your hand if you think that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just feel like that, that this is really imperative that you just take this word. I mean, I am, my door is always open if you feel like I could help you to recover what you've lost through this lie of the enemy. If you feel like you can reach out to your mentor, if you don't have a mentor, if there's somebody here in leadership that you feel like you can reach out, maybe your offense is against leadership here. But I feel like just the truth of the matter is that you're stymied at that place of offense. And if it's against another person, you'll never be connected to that person like you want to. And I, I propose to you that the reason why the enemy targeted that relationship in the beginning is because that relationship was really important to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, one of the first ways that, you know, there's the, the really cool thing, you can open your eyes again. The really cool thing is that, you know, um, in, I looked it up while she was talking, not that I wasn't listening, but, um, you know, there's a couple of scriptures, um, that talks about, um, one of them is in Deuteronomy. It says, how could, uh, you can chase a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight. It's one thing that God has different math than the devil does. And so what God is saying is that through just one person who loves God, trusts God, he has the capacity. We just heard how those legions bind together to affect you. But God said that one person has the ability to um, actually um, destroy a thousand from having impact. But the crazy thing about God math is that if you if you actually can join with another person in unity, that you have the capacity to do that to 10,000. That's God math. But see, so the enemy is so bent on making sure that, I mean, I feel like there's people in this room that are offended that still come here and don't know how to get out of offense. That's what I feel like. And just think about that. We're in a crazy environment of prophetic people. And don't think that I don't know. Don't think I'm not up at night knowing when where offense exists. But, you know, I can't change your heart. I can't change that something I did or something that someone in this room did that offended you. It, remember what Jesus said about offense. Offense happens because he wants to, to reveal what's really in our hearts. The, the people who, or I can assure you that nobody in this room, including myself, sets out intentionally to make sure that offense happens for you. But I, I would propose that you find yourself being offended over and over in different locations with different people. And so that shows you that that is just a target of the enemy over your life. You know, I can just tell you that it is really, really, it's been really hard for me to be offended in my life. I, I probably 40 years ago now, I read the book by John Bevere, which 
every cleric needs to read. But anyway, that I have an unoffendable, having an unoffendable heart. Why is that? Because that's a target. When, when we are a truth teller, and a lot of clerics are, God made them as truth tellers, we are, we actually offend people. That's kind of part of our calling is that we are, the way that we interact when someone has, say, stubbornness or someone has pride is that we go for the jugular, not of the person, but of the spirit. But when the when we actually unify with the spirits of the of the false us, then someone has to come in to dislodge us from that, and and that that's a strong what they call as biblical stronghold i mean the biblical word is stronghold it's because my, there's something about me that has conjoined with it that i can't free myself and so i think it's really important to to remember that if you could ever think like i think why would the holy spirit tell us this tonight And if he's telling me something that he that that is so important to him, I mean, you can't understand what all happened to just get her to say this tonight. I mean, it wasn't easy for her. It wasn't like she was just like sitting at home chomping at the bit saying, you know, give me room on the platform. I'm going to say this. So there's a whole thing that we worked out on the backside for her to deliver it. And so if you understand that that the Holy Spirit loves you so much that it's imperative to Him that He delivered this message tonight, there's a reason. And so when we embrace what He's trying to say, then that means I will, I will propose that you won't even be able to understand what she's saying with offense in your heart. And so that's why He's saying that th that was just an attempt of the enemy. You know, and so I want to leave you tonight with that. I mean, I can sit here and pray a little prayer over you, but the truth of it is, is that it's only going to come out with with the with your humility. And I propose that the picture she saw at the beginning with those two arrows, because she said to me they were down low, that he's trying to tell you with the light of his truth that you got to get down low, and in that place, that's where you're going to actually find true freedom. And can I tell you that 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 true place of freedom that's down low is is actually it you don't humility isn't something that um it's not it's not in exchange for being a doormat humility is a choice of heart not acting like that you're just a lowly zero and so humility actually is the pa pathway i think to promotion so anyway so the bottom line for me is the Holy Spirit is telling you this because he's trying to promote you. And so he's trying to reveal. And I would go to whoever's in this room that you started believing a lie. And so you started putting all that. Because can I tell you, let me just say one more thing, that whoever you have that against in this room, they're never going to come back to you and apologize. Because the Holy Spirit blinds them that they did that to you because it was actually something in your heart. And so you're waiting and you're being small and you're being wimpy and you're being, you're acting like you're real, real humble, but you're actually, you're actually resistant. 
because you're waiting for something to occur that's never going to happen because God allowed it to happen to reveal what was actually in your own heart. And what was what's in your heart that actually got offended is the very thing that's going to keep you from promotion. So tonight, He's going to try to promote you. Can you receive it? Will you, will you fix it? All you people that raise your hand, will you fix it? If you don't know how to fix it, I can tell you how to fix it. And all you that didn't raise your hand, I can tell you how to fix it. It's just up to you if you want to fix it. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.